You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire basketball podcast. Uh, sorry about last week. Stuff happens, but we're here. Jeremy Moss, Eli Betker to talk. Hoops, politics, wait a minute, and Lobos, who, what? What are they doing? New Mexico? Of all the predictions that we made coming into the year, I did not expect a week where we'd be talking about New Mexico as a top three team in the Mountain West and also uh, the American government impacting the Mountain West basketball schedule. But here we are in late uh, January with both of those uh, two things on our table. So here we go. Exactly. And that that overshadows the Nevada-Boise State last night Yeah, as well. who would have thought? Jeez, it's crazy. So we'll start um, website. Obviously, thanks for listening, and tuning in, and we do appreciate the comments we get. Um, we got a couple one today that was very. Um, we'll just say thanks for the comment. Your your appreciate your note is getting the appreciation it deserves by us not talking about it, unless you go to Twitter and you can see what uh, weird guys say. But if you like us, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, give us a review, tune in, check us out at our website, mwr.com. But government stuff. Um, I. I'm safe to, safe to say I know a little bit more, as we've been discussing prior about this, because my other job I do is for a uh, news uh, talk show, political show, so I, I have to keep in loop on these things. But I did not, I did not even think about, it, did not cross my mind that if there's a shutdown, Air Force athletics would be uh, hampered or not hampered, but shut down essentially. Like that's a simple way to put it. Because if it's a non-essential employee, you're done. Like. Smithsonian, I think, is open up. Like national parks are closed, which is a big deal. Right, live in Utah. There's a ton in the southern part of the state. Uh, parks are closed. You can go fishing. Like, if you're not essential, you're closed. Apparently, Air Force athletics is not essential. <laughs> that's that's kind of a uh, that's, that's kind of sad, I guess. But yeah, that is uh, what the deal is right now, and it's just a strange situation. So, Air Force's game Saturday, which was uh, scheduled to play against Fresno State was canceled and will continue to be canceled until further notice. Uh, or wait, yeah, forfeit, potential forfeit, forfeit. Also, yeah, also the potential of forfeit, but um, it's strange because Fresno State was already uh, in Colorado Springs to face off against Air Force in a, in a road game, and uh, they got word that this game will not be played. And there is, like we said, there is the potential that the game could be rescheduled, but I did see some people break it down. The, there's two schedules between Air Force and Fresno State the rest of the way, and it doesn't look like it's pro- it, it doesn't look probable. So I don't know how the Mountain West is going to handle it. We've tried to reach out to some people, haven't gotten word back yet. Um, but there is a very legitimate chance that we could see the final Mountain West standings not include each team playing 18 games. So that would be uh, very very strange. Here is what has been said. If you read over the Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette or Gazette.com, Brent Bergerman has spoken to the same spokesman we attempted to talk with who they don't list the name, but we know exactly who it is. But <laughs> we're looking through it. He's written about it because I didn't think about it because the shutdown wasn't official until, depending where you're part of the country, like us out west, late Friday night, maybe very early Saturday morning. So there's no reason for Fort Collins or excuse me, uh, Fresno State to not travel. Their business as usual. They're even looking at business as usual, like 8 a.m. during their breakfast time because the game was at 2 p.m. 
It wasn't until 8 a.m. Saturday news came down that the uh, about the game. So, and also, in fact, this affects every sport. So, basketball, there's hockey. That's a big deal. Our force is pretty good in hockey. There's a athlete, athletes across the country. So, like, there's swim meets going on in Las Vegas. There is, um, I forget the list here that they had on the website. But basically, any athlete, coach, you're done, essentially. They're probably not. I don't think they're getting paid either because you don't get paid. You furloughed to so get some vacation or whatever, forced vacation to be nice about it. But... I this never crossed my mind one bit because last time there was an issue back in 2013, USAA I think it was, I th- I think it's because they were playing Navy and football. That's the reason it kind of came in, or maybe or maybe it was um I don't remember. Maybe it was, I don't recall something for Commander. Oh here it is right here. Sorry, I was looking for it. Right here. Yeah, during sequestering in 2013, the sponsor which you've seen USAA which is everywhere provided the check of nearly a quarter million dollars. Yes, it was for the Navy game, which is a big difference than playing Fresno State. Not to just Fresno State, but First of all, it's football. Second of all, Air Force Navy is a pretty big deal. So they came in to cover those costs. But now there's – I assume they get home fine. I don't see why that would be an issue traveling. I guess they're already home for basketball. But what could happen? There's a couple things that could happen. There's talk on Twitter. Like one of the guys from the Mexico in the athletic department mentioned, I think he's just kind of spouting off ideas. So I'll just don't take this officially by any means. But maybe if it comes down to it for seeding, they play a game a day earlier in Las Vegas – prior to the Mount West tournament, that could be an option. Or it could be a forfeit, which I don't think a forfeit would be fair. I, I mean, I don't think it's fair either, but uh, the alternative isn't that great because uh, in the case of Fresno State, who has a better chance of uh, completing more games in Mountain West tournament than Air Force does, they would have to play, what, maybe three, four, or three or four games in four or five day span, depending on how they choose to do it. So uh, it's definitely a, a complicated scenario. And if the shutdown does continue, it could uh, impact some upcoming games. Air Force is on the road in Logan to play Utah State Wednesday night. At least that's what's scheduled. And they do host Boise State, who's second in Mountain West right now, um, the following Saturday. So those are two games that could also have a direct impact on the final Mountain West standings. Yeah, and, and one thing, too, it's going to affect Fresno more than Air Force. Obviously, Air Force... Come on, they're not going to contend for the title or anything. They've, they've been playing a little bit better in basketball, which is they beat at the end of that streak, losing streak versus Colorado State. But like, I'm looking at the schedule, I was trying to see when they play. Like, there's no bye week in there, and if they do the tournament, because the tournament starts on the what the seventh? Is that right? That Wednesday. Yes. Air Force is like looking at the standings. It's the if I'm, I don't know how much I had a bracket in front of me, but isn't it the bottom six teams play? Yeah, so it's uh, 6 versus 11, 7 versus 10, and 8 versus 9. So that would impact Fresno because what would Fresno play, Tuesday, then Thursday? Uh, what if it comes up to be where they lose, they play Tuesday, lose, have to play Wednesday instead of already being shooed in mm-hmm. or put into that Thursday spot? It could come down to that, yeah. And then Air Force would have to play Tuesday, Wednesday. If they win Thursday, they're already at a disadvantage of being a, in the first opening round games. It's, I think the most logical solution, just use winning percentage. That, w- that would make the most sense, but even when you do that, it's uh, it causes imbalanced schedules. So, and I know that there's already that argument that's uh, out there. That, it's already imbalanced. Uh, yeah, unless you play a double round robin, it's not necessarily balanced. But um, I mean, we see right now, UNLV's played the weakest conference schedule so far, and uh, Wyoming's played the easiest conference schedule so far. So it it alternates, and and some teams might have to. Uh, avoid playing on the road against some teams and playing at home. So it's just a big complicated mess. And 
it's it's just uh, something I definitely did not expect to happen coming into the season, but I guess the higher-ups will deal with it in the best way they possibly can. And I know they're still working on it, and there's people that ask us, what about Navy and Army? Well, apparently they have some sort of fund because they're differently they're funded differently. Because you think, well, the U.S. Army, why aren't they a part of the U.S. government or Navy? Air Force, I believe, gets almost all their funding from the government, essentially, for everything. Where Army and Navy can compete a schedule because um, it says here as a quote from the Washington Post or from a Navy spokesman, Naval Academy Athletic Association is a 501c3 and uses non-appropriated funds, which means it's like when you hear for um, University of Florida, the you, know, you, probably, um, you may be familiar with this now, like they have like a Gator Athletic Fund or something that's separate from the university. So it sounds like it's something like that. And they go on to say like we have a few coaches that are government workers uh, because they also teach PE classes and they won't be able to coach, speaking to Navy. But it looks like they have another fund to be able to plan. Army kind of says the same thing where they prepare to execute a contingency plan for a lapse in appropriations in order to continue its mission. And so they'll still go to classes, participate in extracurricular activities. To me, I believe, maybe, I don't know if I, have you seen this? Is Air Force completely shut down? Like everything, classes, everything? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that for a fact, but what I do know is that Air Force is not allowed to practice while the government shutdown is still going on. So um, not only can they not compete in games, they can't practice and, and get better either. And also, uh, one thing they can do, which is kind of odd, they can still recruit, which is interesting. Like try even travel recruit because I haven't done an article. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Depends what happens with the vote for the shutdown. But I know this is a basketball podcast, but. Basketball recruits a lot, and but football, the signing day is February 7th, I want to say, this year, the second signing day, essentially. That's a pretty big deal for the football team in Troy Calhoun because they don't announce who they've received commits from from the early signing period. Maybe they got everybody, but they're still the last-minute guys. They want to make visits. They want to chat with them, do things. They can still travel, but I don't know if they can do like on-campus visits to tour the university. Not that official visits happen all the time, but that's something to look out for, But they, which they can do. So... As of right now, the way it stands, and this is an hourly, like minute by minute, essentially, the way it's going for government voting. There's, as of, was in the Washington Post, there's supposed to be a vote Sunday night as we're recording, 10 p.m. Pacific time. The, if you read online, I'll probably say Monday morning, 1 a.m., which is, I don't know why they're voting at that time, but they are. That's the time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they're doing. So that, by the time you hear this, maybe this is a moot, all a moot point, and we're back to business as usual. However, the extension, which it's been on the rolling extension for a while, it's not a month. It's only going to go to February eighth, well, which is only a couple weeks. Even if the even if the government does reach a conclusion that ends the shutdown, it still will have an impact because of the missed game on Saturday. So mm-hmm. at least one game yes. will go unplayed. Uh, I get. I want to turn this back to you though. I'm curious. I'm curious what you think is going to be a conclusion, or at least what you would do to resolve the issue because it it's so complicated. And you have to deal with so many moving pieces here. Um, that could impact the overall Mountain West race. So I'm curious what you have to say. Here's what I say on the basketball side. I'll get to the political side in a minute because uh, my prognosis is not good. So I'll leave that in a minute. Um, I still think winning percentage is the easiest and least tang- is the most tangle-free way to do it. There's going to be issues because, like you said, they already play an imbalance schedule. But if there's a tie, they can just go by head-to-head for seeding purposes. That's pretty simple to do. And I don't believe this Air Force play Fresno twice this year. Uh, you, uh, hold on one sec. Because that's the only thing where it could be an just issue. Just Okay, so that that could that could be an issue because they only played them once and you got to do a tiebreaker. But well, it's, no, sorry, they already played them, and then the the second game would have been on Saturday. Oh, the schedule's not complete. Okay, the basketball schedule's weird. I'm looking at so that's whatever. But I I think 
percentage is the best way to go. And the only way to impact the top, because Nevada already has a two-game lead. They're not they're pretty safe to be the one of those top seeds. It could impact, say, the Boise State game on Saturday gets postponed or even canceled. Because here's the thing, once there's more games that get postponed, the odds of any of them getting replayed are less and less likely to happen. So it, it would be weird if Air Force has 13 games played, yeah. and but the government comes to a conclusion of where they can play in the tournament because it's shut down for two weeks. Because think of it, it's two games a week. And I guess another thing it, that I need to add to that is that not only is it more games that needs to be played, but it's Air Force that has to appear in those games. So the Air Force is having is the one that has to clear out these opening spaces. So mm-hmm. it it's such a confusing scenario. But I guess I guess the most likely the outcome that I think will probably happen is I think they'll I think they'll just cancel a game and go by winning percentage. That that seems to be the most. Um, I, it seems to be the most knowledgeable way to go about this because I think that once you start piling on games during championship week, that just makes things just so complicated and, and can have an overall impact on the tournament, and you definitely don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when none of these teams were at fault, it's it's no fault of their yeah, own that, it's... It, that this happened and, and their games were canceled because of that, so I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's why I think forfeit's the wrong way to go, but if they, I think what they're doing is wait-and-see mode because if it's one game, they can get that game in there somehow. You'd I think, think there's a pot. But if you miss the game versus Utah State, if you miss, like I said, if you miss Boise State game, if you miss, if there's a second game that's missed, I would say there's probably one percent chance to make up any of those games. Well, it, like you yeah. never say never, but I would once you get to past game one to game two, they're not going to make up those past games. Mm-hmm. And, and but they also shouldn't be forfeited either. If if the game involves a team that isn't. Nevada, Boise State, or San Jose State, it's going to have a pretty significant impact on overall seeding because the rest of the league has anywhere between three and five losses right now. So, I mean, if you're Colorado State, you win two straight games, you can be as high as third or fourth in the conference, and and you're sitting in ninth right now. So um, each game counts, especially if it's a real game like it is in Fresno State, if they can avoid going on the road. And even though Air Force is definitely weaker competition, if they can avoid going on the road, and dropping a, an away games that more power to them. So we'll see what happens. So one last thing too, like when, when this could come down, like I mentioned, if they vote Sunday night and it's back open, it's only until February 8th, which clearly mark the conference tournament's March 10th. My thinking, the way people are digging in, like I'm doing a lot of research from other job on this to be prepared for this week. So we're going to, whatever I'm going to need to know all this information and what's going on. I think this could be a long-term thing, like maybe a couple weeks. Man, that that would, Which make would be really messy. Like even whatever basketball side, yes, for what we talk about, that's a big deal. But there's a lot of other bigger issues in play if it is shut down for weeks at a time. There's nothing to get into now. You probably already know about it. If you don't care about it, I don't need to get into it. But like I said, essential and non-essential is the difference here. Basketball, sports, non-essential. National parks, non-essential. Other things, um, non-essential. Even like whatever Social Security, Medicaid stuff that's not checks may not be coming through and stuff like that, which is a pretty big deal. But the way I'm reading and what people are doing and what could happen, I honestly could see this being a couple weeks, which would suck for a lot of people. Yeah, just it, it ties a lot of people that have government jobs or involved with this not in any pa- which way. So You're not getting paid. Yeah. Except, I will point out, and I have to, I don't care if you tell me sports, those congressmen guys, they still get paid during the shutdown. Yeah. Your local person who 
post office is going to be open. That's essential. But if you work at National Park every day, you work at like the VA hospital and stuff, you're not getting paid. Mm-hmm. You like there's Air Force bases near me. They're going home. They can't get paid. So it's like, but certain, but those guys who are trying to get this done and get ladies up there, they still get paid regardless. So yeah. while they are, I hopefully they're working hard to get something done. Just remember that. Think about it. They get paid while a lot of these other people don't. Mm-hmm. So let's get to basketball. Should we get to the big the big game from last night? Sure. Sounds good. Ugh, finally, I'm done with that. Basketball. Good. Nevada, Boise State. First off, did this live up to the hype? Everybody oh, plays yeah. this matchup. Oh, man. This was awesome. I was, yeah, this was fun. For those who don't know, 74-68, Nevada topped the Boise State in Reno. And there is some concern about um, a few uh, key players where you might not have had a Cody Martin, who did play a little bit, 21 minutes. But this matchup, man, it's back and forth. There's I hate I hate Doug, Doug Gottlieb. He goes like, going on the road's tough. You see his tweet about the screen or something? He's like, some moving screen they call late in the game. He's getting all pissy about it. I'm like, dude, come on. It's one call. Yeah. I did, I did, I, sometimes I just don't understand what Gottlieb says. I mean, I like him, but sometimes he just picks some interesting moments to chime in. But there, on the bright side, there were a number of national writers that were staying up to watch this game and said that it was the... It was supposed to be the best game of the weekend. It was so. I think this game definitely delivered. It was exciting, and uh, I think I think I put in my recap for only twenty four seconds the whole night. This was within two possessions. So I think after a Nevada free throw, it extended the lead to seven, and that was it. Uh, but yeah, uh, this game was awesome. Yeah, because it was like looking at like fifteen, fourteen, seventeen, fourteen. 1914 one of those points you're looking at like that's technically two possessions still but it was it was barely it was no team was getting the edge either way and the big concern in this game was Cody Martin how healthy he was and he didn't play he he's going to guard Chandler Hutchinson all night which Hutch did go 0 for 5 from three point range but just still had 27 points <laughs> getting to the line in 10 of 18 but people are like, oh Nevada can't win without Cody Martin because he's a key player but look who shows up Jordan Caroline who was the MVP of the Mountain West Tournament which was reminded over and over last night he showed up with 22 points and 13 boards. Yeah, I think Nevada just did an awesome job countering Boise State on the perimeter. I mentioned that that was going to be, I think, the key to victory, and a lot of people like to drop down these these keys to victory. But when it comes down to Boise State and Nevada, both of these teams really pride themselves on how they defend and how they shoot from the perimeter. And Boise State, who, I'm going to check the numbers right now, they're both in the top, okay, they're 38% from deep uh, on on threes, which is about 60th nationally, and they also held teams below 30% um, from the three-point line, which is good for 10th nationally. So it's a team that's just fantastic on the perimeter on both sides of the ball, but Boise State missed 18 of their 21 three-point attempts thanks to solid Nevada defense, um, and Boise State also allowed Nevada to hit 9 of 26 threes, which is about 35%. So Nevada not only slowed down Boise State from the perimeter, but they also heated up as well Caleb Martin put in uh four triples Jordan Caroline added three Kendall Stevens had two so that's really where the game was won because that's a difference of 27 to nine points and that um, that more than makes up what the margin of the final score was so Nevada just played an excellent game for 40 minutes and it was really a good one I think if it was played in Boise I think the Broncos might have had enough to pull it out but I guess uh we'll see what happens in a couple weeks so let me ask you this. I noticed this partway during the game. I don't think it was uh, consistent through the whole time, but I noticed Nevada was trying to get a lot of fast breaks, which is what they do. I saw quite a few times where guys would just kind of – a couple – maybe two guys because if you take everybody off, it's not as not as effective. But they would have send like one or two guys go down for like an early fast break and hope they got the rebound. 
And it worked a few times. Like, they would play soft, and the guys would like, okay, I'll leave my guy here and go off for offense. Hopefully we get the ball. That worked a little bit. Did, was that, did that happen a lot, you think? Or maybe was I just focusing in on, like, a couple points a game where I saw them take off on a fast break when a shot would happen instead of going for a rebound? Like, playing, like, three on five instead of on de- for the off- defense rebound instead of sticking on five on five. Yeah, I, I, I might have noticed that a little bit. I think my main takeaway was that the game was a bit more fast-paced than I was expecting. Uh, Boise State, for the most part, likes to slow it down, and Nevada is, is towards the middle, towards the median and uh, tempo nationally. But there were a number of times where, like you said, the teams like to push it, especially off of turnovers. Boise State came firing out in the second half on a number of Nevada turnovers. That's how they uh, stretched out their first lead of the game. But there were a number of times where turnovers led to easy baskets via... Um, I just transition buckets, so that it was. I mean, it was pretty significant in, in terms of the final score because you saw that Nevada had a number of buckets off off of turnovers. Boise State did the same, so um, a lot of back and forth, which is not something that I was expecting heading into the game. So, what does this do for Boise State? Because they have now lost two conference games. Are they out? Like, I don't want to say they're out, but like. Their at-large changes took a hit, but I know it's a road game. It's going to be a, a group one loss because where Nevada's at in the RPI. How when we look at bracket matrix, they, this is headed into the game. They had them at a what ten point five, eleven seed essentially. Joe, you said Joe Lenardi had him as the last team in after the loss. Do you think they? That's got to be a good sign that even after the loss, they're still in consideration. Yeah, they they're still definitely in consideration. They're on that final seed line almost everywhere you look right now. This is a game that they could have really used a, a win here would have put them squarely into the field I would assume because you beat a team like Nevada who's 13th in RPI that would be a consistent group one win for the rest of the year because you won't see Nevada's RPI dip below 30 that's nearly impossible so it's a missed opportunity for Boise kind of similar to what we thought of Nevada losing to TCU and Texas Tech earlier in the year their RPI isn't great it's at 33 right now so It'll probably drop at least a few spots, regardless of what they do the rest of the season. So, I think you're probably Unless they beat Nevada. Yeah, could... it is possible, but they still play. I mean, they they play a number of those uh, Mountain West bottom feeders that will definitely hurt their overall RPI. So, yeah, I I think Boise State will probably be on the bubble. They definitely need to pick up at least at least two or three road wins the rest of the way, or else things will definitely get uh, pretty bubbly. But I think. Nevada did a great job earning the win last night, and and they're all, they're as high as a six or seven seed in some brackets. So uh, I think Bracket Matrix had them as the first eight seed, and Lenardi had them as their last six um, in today's update. So that's a good sign for Nevada, and they they should be in good shape to make this tournament. So Boise State, if say like the Air Force game gets canceled, could that actually help them a little bit by not having to face an Air Force team? Yeah, I I think any game that's canceled in which you're not awarded a loss it's probably a benefit to you because just winning away from your own building is just so difficult so i think boise state probably benefits from that especially in, in rpi senses yeah that's what i meant yeah because it does nothing for them yeah <laughs> in rpi it's gonna hurt it no matter what so yeah because looking real quick boise's thing that it's gonna hurt boise they're gonna look at oh and three group one nevada smu wyoming wyoming and then they got what four and one group two which is nice but nothing else like Group 3, they're undefeated, but I don't see anybody in Group 3 moving up. Maybe uh, Mexico, if they keep winning. No, they're too low. Never mind. I'm looking at that wrong. <laughs> no, but never mind. Let me, let's move on. To, let's talk about the Lobos anyway. So Broncos, good job. Good effort. Nevada. Should get a win, too, real quick, because without Cody Martin for most of the game or not fully effective, 
that's going to be that's obviously helps him out better once he does get back. Because also the other thing they mentioned all night, Nevada has only eight scholarship players. All these guys are transfers. Yeah, it's like they, it's like they never heard of Nevada before. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, and I I did hear an interesting note on that same subject though, um, which I haven't heard before, and I, I like to follow what Musselman does with his roster because it's something unique and it's something that we haven't really seen in, in basketball the last decade or so. But that's that Musselman actually doesn't like having a ton of scholarship players at once because he said he doesn't want to keep four or five players on the bench and, and not be able to play them on any given night because, I mean, if, if I'm sitting on the bench watching these other players go, I'm I'm not really inclined to maybe play for that team and, and that will lead to a transfer in itself. So, I mean, he only has seven or eight guys, and all of them are playing at least 20 minutes a night. All those players are uh, at, at least check they check the box in terms of playing time, so they're content about that. So that was an interesting takeaway, and that's exactly what Musselman's doing. I wrote a little piece last week about Nevada and how they're able to manage having a short roster of seven or eight players and still be able to make it through the Mountain West grind, so... We'll see how they do. I, the Cody Martin injury is a bit of a, a thorn in the side for Nevada, but as long as they stay healthy and they stay out of foul trouble early in their games, they should be okay. But um, you're really riding on, on on cautious times because if something goes wrong and one of your top players goes down has to miss a game or two, that's going to make things really, really interesting. It's true. And like, here's the thing, too. They're, they go to, like, him playing versus Boise is a big deal, but they go to Wyoming next game. Which he's going to want to play because that could be a game where they could lose. Well, I mean, it's been up or down, but at home they're very good. They got a solid Fresno State team. He can't really rest anybody or Martin minutes, so maybe at CSU. But then again, a road game. People are struggling on the road, so it's a. Uh, I don't. Know, I get his point, but I don't know because I, I just. I may. I may. I think to me that seems he's too paranoid that he's going to lose players. I think that's more paranoia than strategy. Even though it is a strategy, I say it's more paranoia than anything else. I, I'm I'm kind of mixed on that. I see what you're saying, but who knows the transfer market better than Eric Musselman? So yeah. when I, you know, when it comes down to, uh, okay, let's see what these players have in mind, where they want to go, what they want to do. I think he probably knows this about as well as anyone. So if he's able to keep as many players as possible and also add as many uh, high major or mid major transfers as possible, then his teams will be very very talented. I would say this, the reason I am skeptical, okay, yes, you have eight scholarship players, that's fine, but he's only playing eight players. If you're going 10 or 11 deep, even if those guys, 9, 10, 11, are playing five minutes a game, I would say it's a great strategy, but he's only playing those guys. That's where I'm thinking he seems paranoid Paranoid because if you have walk-ons, because clearly your walk-ons are not going to be as good as scholarship players, so you think you'd want the best team possible. He is playing his best team out there, but but by playing only the scholarship guys. Had, if he plays a ninth or 10th or 11th guy a little bit here and there, just for, oh, get a break because no time, media timeout's coming up, going for 90 seconds so our key player can get that 90-second break plus the media timeout break as well, that makes sense, but he's not playing any, any of those other guys. That's why, that's why I think it's a little bit of him being uh, paranoid. But you are right. His, what he does on transfer markets and what he's brought in, he knows it quite well. And so he's doing fine with it, but it, this will come up when it doesn't work for him. Exactly. Yeah, it will. And and that's why I wanted to mention with Cody Martin being dealt for this for this game, even though he did play 21 minutes, uh, you're walking that tightrope. So if one of the players does go down and, and really hope it doesn't or something comes up, uh, Musselman's going to have to play with his cards, and you, you might see one of these walk-ons notch some playing time. But uh, hopefully that isn't the case, and Nevada's able to make do with their seven or eight talented players. 
Exactly. All right, let's get to Lobos. Um, is Paul Ware right? Are we wrong again? <laughs> Man, I don't know what to make of this team because they start off okay. They obliterate their first two opponents, which are what's the word? Obliteratable, I guess. One forty-seven uh, to seventy-six. Yeah. New Mexico, what, Northern New Mexico Highland, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, and then they got on, got on all us like these uh, are scoring a hundred point, hundred fifty points a game. We're like, cool, hold up, mm-hmm. cool it. But. Yeah. So it's been an up and down season for New Mexico. You talked about those two games, and they drop four straight. They're able to beat Evansville, then they drop another four straight, including a loss to a team that had fired their head coach the day prior. <laughs> and but since the Arizona game, which they did compete pretty well in, they've been they've been one of the better teams in Mountain West. They've been seven and three over that ten game stretch. They gave Nevada a run for their money, only lost that game by three in Reno. The Boise State game's an anomaly. They got blown out on that one, which will give them a pass because Boise State's just a really tough team to play. And they also competed against Air Force, or excuse me, Fresno State, which they lost. But besides that, they've won every other game. Their last three wins are against Wyoming at UNLV and home against San Diego State. And they're just finding a way to close out games. And this team, I don't know how they, they've done it, but uh, Paul Weir has the Lobos third in the Mountain West. Also, at half game band Boise State as well. Right. They got CSU at home. They could beat them. Utah State's uh, Jekyll and Hyde. They could beat them maybe at Spectrum. They go to San Jose State. They could have a five-game winning streak when they host Boise State on February 6th. And uh, you can't even count them out against Boise State at home because the pit is just such a difficult place to play. <laughs> so Dream I, style yeah, arena. <laughs> the arena formerly known as Wise Pirates Arena is a difficult place to play in. Uh, but I... Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think either of us predicted that New Mexico would win five games in all of conference play, and right now they're sitting at five and three. I don't think so because we we predicted this to be like a UNLV year one with Marvin Menzies, mm-hmm. just because so much talent coming in, so much coming out, new coach, way they got the coach, it came in not necessarily the same as UNLV, but late in the process. Because well, I guess not late. Final four weekend is not late, but I guess the contract length was whatever the renew it was the deadline for the fiscal year or something. But I. Maybe five wins max would have been our high end. Like we could probably figure out oh, they can beat San Jose State. They probably could be sweep the Spartans and maybe sweep the Falcons, maybe, and poke out a win against Fresno or something. Mm-hmm. But I think like five was our high end. Now we're sitting at like realistically, like they're playing without um, Sam Logwood and who's the other player? Who's Troy Simons? Yeah, both of those Troy guys S- have missed the last three plus games. And what do you know? They are uh, two and one in those games. <laughs> Uh, but like seriously, like at home it's good. Like if they if they continue this trend, because beating San Diego State's a good win at UNLV's tough because Brandon McCoy's really good, uh, Morin's really good, and on the road. But like CSU's offense is terrible. Like I said, they could win five, six wins, maybe seven versus Spartans at Air Force if that game's played. That's eight wins. Uh, they could seriously maybe have ten wins. They yeah, I think they'll probably be in that eight to ten win range. Which is, uh, I mean, you have to really commend Paul Weir when he's in his first year with. Probably the third least talented team in this conference. You have guys like Joe Furstinger, who's playing just phenomenal for what he's done the last three years. Anthony Mathis has been good. Antino Jackson just has a knack for knocking down big shots, which he hit the go-ahead basket against San Diego State, which gave the Lobos the win. I mean, they've done it without their senior leader and Sam Logwood, who's been on and off. uh, Yeah, that's a story. Yeah, yeah, Logwood's his own story. And then Troy Simons, who's a, a junior guard for them, has also missing games and that's mostly due to sportsmanship so <laughs> just imagine what can what the sky is uh once new mexico adds some 
some key players, which they will next season if uh, Paul Weir is able to grind out 8-10 to 10 wins in conference play with a roster that includes these players. Not to discount them, but the fact that this, I mean, this isn't the most talented roster that Paul Weir has played with, and uh, they're doing just fine. Yeah, and it's also like new players as well. It's like a new mixed team. Like there's a bunch of players who are going to transfer who didn't. That's part of it too. It's like just getting together to play as a team, even though it's you think, oh, they have months to play, but how well do they really know each other compared to guys they played with or room with or roommates with the past couple of years? Definitely. So I, it's, 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 it's just such a difficult team to gauge, and, and I don't think anyone really wants to play them right now, especially in the pit. Were there any other games last week we need to discuss? We should mention Anthony uh, Mathis, our player of the week. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we are going to go with Antino Jackson for what he's done uh, the, the last two games, picking up wins against UNLV and San Diego State. Um, but he, he's, it was funny, I saw in the post-game, in his post-game interview about the game-winning bucket, and the sideline reporter asked him something about, uh, like, the, you know, the generic question about what it means to hit the game-winning basket or something like that. And he <laughs> pretty much said no matter what, when he grabbed the ball, he was going to take the shot. And uh, he crafted this game-winning shot to beat San Diego State, which is an impressive win for the Lobos. And uh, they'll take a two-game winning streak, and they'll play again on Saturday against Colorado State in hopes of moving to six and three in league play. Which I mean, you you they could be uh, top two here if Boise State slips up. Oh boy! So <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. We'll boy, it's yeah. going to be a fun couple of weeks in our mentions if New Mexico keeps it up. They are. He really quickly was seven to sixteen in three point range, which is a pretty big deal. So thirty five total points. Um. Yeah, let's move on. Any other any other games uh, we're going up out this week, that or last week we need to discuss, or should we just kind of move forward a little bit? Yeah, I think we can move forward. All right. So really quick, um, we got UNLV Fresno. Sure, whatever, cool. Um, <laughs> well, actually, we'll see how Fresno does because they got the extra day off. It's kind of a weird situation, but uh, obviously the big thing to look at is Air Force Utah State if it's going to be played. The other game this week, uh, Nevada at Wyoming is going to be a big deal on Wednesday night. We'll see what what Hayden Dalton does. That's on ESPNU. And we may have a t-shirt, Dome of Doom t-shirt, coming your way, folks. Ooh, that's right. It'll it'll follow up our Boise State national title shirt. Yes. <laughs> We're just full of all the games. Do you, do you give Wyoming a shot on Wednesday against Nevada? Yeah. Let's play our game. Hold on. Let's play our game. Just a second here. All right. <laughs> Matchup predictor. What do you think? Who First off, who do you think is favored? I think... Uh, I think Nevada's got to be favored. Okay, what's the percentage? Fifty-three. Nope. Am I even in this? Like, am I even close? <laughs> Five to one. Eighty percent. Eighty. They're eighty percent favorites. They are. I can't figure this thing out. <laughs> I can never figure it out. I, okay, I'm, I'm thinking. All right, BPI loves home teams. What what better home team to love than Wyoming? Yeah, home court advantage, and Hayne Dalton will probably go off at home typically. Cody Martin's on the mend a little bit. He's not extremely healthy at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a trap game for Nevada, and Wyoming's done that before. So uh, if, if there's a game that Nevada loses besides going to Boise, this is probably the game that could trip them up. But besides that, um, they're heavy favorites just about the rest of the way. Okay, next. Any other game? Let's see real quick. Let's see. We do have a couple our... questions if you want to touch on that. We do. Let's go to Saturday really quick. Um... um... I guess San Diego State UNLV is always good because the rival rivalry game. That's interesting. Are they considered the rival? You think? Yeah, I think so. They they don't like each other. It's, it's good, what three and four, three and three. Those teams in the league play Boise Air Force again, just because shut down. 
But uh, we'll see. CSU New Mexico. I want to see what the Lobos do. So I guess watch for the Lobos this week. Watch Wyoming, Nevada. Check out Aztecs UNLV. It's a later tip. Uh, 7 Pacific out there in the uh, Nevada time zone. So, yeah, what questions do we have? I saw one. Do we have more than one question? Yeah, one of the first ones is how many teams will the MW get into the tournament and which seeds will they be? Two. You think two? I think two. You think Boise State and Nevada? Yeah, Boise, Nevada. I think that's pretty obvious. Well, it should be. I will say, as for seed, I assume you're, you're the same thinking, right? Yeah, I mean, I hate to abandon my preseason prediction of Wyoming winning the conference title as a five seed, but they just haven't really done it for me the last couple of weeks. They've, they've been pretty inconsistent. Let me ask you this. If there's a third team, let's just say it's a if, – if there's going to be three teams, here's how it could play out. It would have to be Boise State in the title game losing to whoever, and Nevada gets not large because, say, they win the conference and they lose in the semis to mm-hmm. – it's not going to be Boise, probably not Boise, but I think that's the only way a third team will get in. I, I think three teams were, were starting to get into dream scenarios. But if I did have to pick a third team, I, I might go Fresno State. I think the I think they're dangerous. They like to play with the swagger. They got a chip on their shoulder. UNLV's been inconsistent. They they struggle with some of the lower teams in this conference. San Diego State's been up and down. Wyoming, I'm not entirely sure what to make of them because they started off the season so hot, and in the last five games or so, they've they've really been questionable. I I would probably go with Fresno State and their shooters. So, um, what is the seeding then? What's your seeding prediction for Nevada? I've, I, I, there are some Nevada fans in my mentions that think the Wolfpack will be a top four seed. Ooh. Sorry, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like that's mathematically impossible, essentially. So I think if I had to choose a single seed for Nevada right now, I'd probably predict they would be a seven seed heading into the tournament. And I, I think that's a draw that it, it would make most Wolfpack fans happy once they once they see the numbers shake down because Nevada just doesn't have many opportunities for. Uh, quality wins. I think I checked earlier today. Mountain West only has two teams. Or excuse me, three teams in the uh, top 100 RPI, and one of them includes Nevada. So it's not like they have chances to pick up quality wins the rest of the season. So last night's win over Boise State was huge. So I'd give a seven for Nevada, and if Boise State or any other team finds a way onto um, finds a way into the field of 68, they'd have to be an 11 or 12 seed, I'd imagine. So we're, like, here's a follow-up question to the uh, – that first one is by T. Lemieux 72 on Twitter. Next one by Jay Gravelgill. Sorry if that's incorrect. They said, forget about – like, for, forget doing this what if. What happens if Nevada runs a table? Do you still put them in a seven seed? If they, I, I'd, I'd probably move them up to – they'd probably be about a six. Could they be I, a five seed? What, what would it take to be a five seed? Would it be out of their hands like other teams just beating each other up? To be a five seed, I mean, even when other teams beat each other up, they're getting quality wins. So, like, True. If, yeah, if, exactly. if you're in the Big Twelve, if you're a team that exists in the Big Twelve and you win, that's a quality win because all the other teams are probably going to be either on the bubble or in the tournament. So, beating the ninth place team in the Big Twelve is similar to beating the best team or the second best team in the Mountain West. So, I the, guess unless you're the yeah. Big East and lose to teams like Georgetown or something, yeah, or St. <laughs> John's or DePaul. So, yeah. I mean, we've seen it with Wichita State. They've had just massive winning streaks heading into the tournament. Um, they've finished top ten, top. Well, last year Kempon. weren't they? Was they, it? They were a ten seed last year. Yeah, and they and people predicted predicted them to beat Kentucky at a ten seed. Yeah, I mean, it's because they're so good. But on yeah. paper, they don't have the quality wins that stacked up with the rest of the power conference teams. So, even if Nevada ran the table, 
I mean, getting a top five team, a top five C would be a surprise to me just because they don't have the number of wins that stack up with the power conference teams because, I mean, simply enough, they don't get the same opportunities. Um, I'm looking at predicted results right now on Warren Nolan, which is a great site to use um, for all college basketball fans that are interested in these types of topics. And I think Nevada had only three projected wins at the end of the season against Group 1 teams. And, uh, okay, I have, I have it up right now. So they have three projected wins against Group 1 teams. That's home against Rhode Island, home against Boise State, and at Fresno State. So Fresno State expected to just barely um, squeak into that top 75, which would notch a column one win for Nevada, and then another three wins against column two RPI opponents. So a combined six wins against RPI top two column teams it's just not it's just not top four top five seed worthy you'll see some teams i mean purdue already has i think six or seven wins against the first rpi win column so they'll probably be a one seed um but regardless of metrics and how good nevada just looks um nevada probably won't be notching much higher than a six seed in the tournament okay well that's interesting i went to teamrankings.com just kind of look up that same because they do future stuff as well so they're sitting at right now. They're high. I guess this is the prob- probability because they're predicting um, five point six losses for the Nevada team. Which how many losses do they have right now? Do you have that? They're at three right now. So that, so like, that probably sounds about right. They actually put them right on probability. The highest probability is a five seed at nineteen point three percent. I I just don't see it happening. Next is a four seed, eighteen percent. No. Next highest. No. I'm hey. I'm just saying yeah. what they got here. Yeah. Just, don't hey, I'm just a messenger. Don't shoot rocks. <laughs> no, on me exactly. No, I it, not directed towards you at all. It, it's yeah. just it's hard to believe because I know people want to bring up Gonzaga. They've been a number one seed a couple times in the last few years. The thing about Gonzaga is that they've they've managed to schedule at least three or four power conference teams during non conference play um, the last half decade or so when they've won the majority of those. And usually it's not in their own building, so that goes to show you what Gonzaga has been able to do. But if you compare Nevada to another mid-major like Wichita State, which hasn't necessarily put up the best resumes the last few years, even though they've been considered one of the best 10, 15 teams in the country, they've been closer to that 8, 9, 10, 11 seed line, and they even appeared in the first four a couple seasons ago. So Nevada's probably somewhere in the middle between those uh, two teams, so I would probably project number seven seed if i had to i would say six seed yeah that's fair i mean i would i be shocked if they're a six seed probably no. not but uh you'd be shocked five, five better yeah. yeah if they're five, five like my seed ultimate seed like the highest possible spot i think is a five seed and that would be because they're looking at there were one reason i could see that they're looking at these other numbers not just rpi ken palm seo sagarin and if they somehow outperform their Kempom positioning, maybe they get high enough there. Like, well, maybe they should be one spot higher just because of they're blowing teams out. That's like the only way they might move up a little bit higher because if they are using those advanced numbers, that's one way to to get ahead on Kempom is by just outperforming the projected result. Yeah, that that is true. And though the committee has used these uh, these numbers like Kempom and Sagarin in the past, this is the first season that those numbers have actually appeared on the team sheets that the committee uses. So we might see a bit more uh, weight that are going towards advanced metrics, which definitely helps Nevada because Nevada's 18th in Ken Palm and um, a near top 20 consensus in all the advanced rankings right now. So that could help Nevada, but it's not going to completely sway their overall seed line by two or three seeds. So 
Um, uh, the team sheet and number of wins you have against top two RPI win columns is still paramount for your overall seed. I'd say Boise's probably 11 or 12. I think they can avoid the first four, but they'll be tough. It will be tough. And, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, don't want to have many flashbacks to those first four games from Boise oh, State. No kidding. Yeah, they've, they've had a few rough goes in, in Dayton in years past. So hopefully if la- Mountain West does get two, they get to avoid Dayton. And here's one last comment thought, same in that same thread about how many teams get in. This person uh, who got here, uh, who is it? Um, ben J. Styles, triple Z there on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he They put a good point. If, if Nevada wins in Boise, he thinks only one team will get in because if Boise wins, if Boise wins that game, they're obviously both in the state. But if Boise does not win, they have zero top 50 wins. Yeah, it, it's true. But, I mean, Boise State can then run the table in the Mountain West tournament and then Nevada will get the at-large. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think Nevada's probably in the tournament regardless. It, but if a team besides Nevada wins the conference tournament, I think that's almost automatically two bids. That's the only recipe right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had three. It's uh, I don't see it. It's it would take my scenario earlier with uh, Wyoming or New Mexico some outside team winning with Nevada getting knocked out in the semis. But even then, it's like yeah, it's not going to happen. Maybe hey. maybe, uh, maybe Boise running the table until the championship game, and then another team besides Nevada or Boise beating them in the final. But that's. That's a massive long shot. <laughs> it's too many prerequisites to, to yeah. rely on. If, what if, or yeah. this. Yeah, if exactly. This, if this equals that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, real quick, that's, that's all we got. No more questions. Thanks for people who chimed in last minute, kept the Twitter up going. So, check us out, MWC Wire on the Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, um, whatever you, whatever platform you use. Give us, I know you can't review us on Twitter. I guess you can retweet or let us know how you feel. But <laughs> go to the Facebook page, give us a review, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher. Give us a review, and if you don't subscribe, what are you doing? Subscribe. We do football. We do basketball. We do random pop-up shows where I interview people about Josh Allen, which could spark a nerve, nerve with one particular oh, comment. Oh, you know it will. <laughs> Should I reply to that? No, I'm not going to. I, I was going to say, I could reply with it. Hey, here's the interview I did about the guy talking Josh Allen, but I'll let it be. I'm not going to comment one bad. I'm, I'm showing some restraint, Eli. <laughs> how to not reply to everything, but... That's all I got for tonight. So, yeah, we got Basketball Tuesday. We'll definitely keep an eye on the Air Force situation. That's the biggest story going forward on the basketball side. And look for myself doing a few more updated bracket projections and all sorts of fun stuff to see who's ranked where. And you mentioned that website, Warren Nolan. That, when you look at RPI and SOS, that is what I'm using. So if you're wondering mm-hmm. where I – because I don't link to it because of – I'm not going to link to every single page on there. But that's where I get the RPI and stuff too. So that's a good spot, Warren Nolan. And all, all the other ones obviously staggering. Ken Palm, all that fun stuff. But thanks for listening, folks. And yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next time talking Mountain Soups. Later.